Hey there, friend. You are in for a great episode. I'm excited for you to apply what you learn. But after that, which episode will you listen to next? It can feel a bit overwhelming when there are so many episodes to choose from. That's why I created the podcast roadmap for you. It's a free resource you can use that outlines the first 30 episodes I recommend listening to when you're either new to the podcast or coming back after a break and looking to get started taking action toward creating permanent weight loss as well as peace and freedom around food. To get it sent to you right away, just go to katrinaubellmd.com forward slash start. Again, katrinaubellmd.com forward slash S-T-A-R-T. Listen to the first episode and apply what you learned to yourself and your life. Then listen to the next episode, apply that information, and on you go. It won't take long and you'll see positive changes on top of building your momentum. So get the podcast roadmap now, katrinaubellmd.com forward slash start. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Master Certified Life and Weight Loss Coach, Katrina Ubell, MD. This is the podcast where busy doctors like you come to learn how to lose weight for the last time by harnessing the power of your mind. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Well, hello there, my friend. Welcome to today's episode. I'm so glad that you are joining me today. This is an episode that I hope you will share with some of your colleagues or anybody you know who is struggling with their morale. This is a big issue. The program members, the physician clients that I work with have brought this to my attention. I mean, it's not really a surprise, but it has actually come up in coaching sessions and things like that about how morale is just low right now. You know, it's just, it's tough amongst doctors and other members of the medical profession, other staff members, and and it's just a tough time to be a human in this world. I think in general, I think people would probably say that morale is low in a lot of industries, but today we're going to be mostly talking about it from the angle of being a physician who is out in practice. I want to note that the day that this program releases is also World Mental Health Day. And the World Health Organization is the organization that kind of, you know, puts this on. And really, the purpose of World Mental Health Day is to raise awareness of mental health issues around the world and, you know, to kind of like mobilize efforts to support mental health. Really, what the WHO wants to do is to make mental health and well-being for all a global priority. And so I thought it was actually fitting that we would talk today about morale, because I think that morale or lack of it impacts people's mental health, but particularly their well-being for sure. So this is something that we can kind of strive to do better at, I think, for ourselves. And also possibly if we are leaders, which many of us are, in terms of helping those who are around us to have better morale as well. What's interesting is when I looked up this information online, like, you know, how do you raise morale? Or, you know, even putting in like, how to raise your morale mostly what comes up is information for leaders or organizations to improve the morale of their employees. 
And so then I was thinking, yeah, but what if your organization isn't doing that kind of stuff? And you're just trying to improve your morale on your own. (laughs) What then? And so I, you know, I dug around and I found some things and have modified a lot of things to make them work for us here. So just want to put that out there. Often, it's kind of the organization that takes the responsibility for the morale of the people who work for them. I was thinking about the military and morale within the military is a really, really important thing. You know, the military spends a lot of time trying to figure out what is the morale level of the people who are, you know, serving and how to improve it because they know very well that when morale is low, things don't go very well. So, you know, this is well established. But what do you do if you are in an environment where the people around you have poor morale? Possibly the people who are your leaders are also experiencing low morale or maybe even just not really present. Like you don't really know what their morale is. Like maybe they're just kind of absent, all of those leaders, and people aren't really making any attempts at improving morale or any that you can see. So then what do you do? You know, (laughs) you just suffer and wait. I don't love that as an idea because, of course, we want to take our own lives and our own well-being and our own experiences into our own hands and know that we can do a lot ourselves even when nothing around us actually changes. And that's a really kind of empowering type of place to be coming from. So I wanted to just share a little bit about low morale and just like kind of the different things that cause it. I think a lot of us maybe don't really know exactly. And I think it's important for us to know this because low morale, like so many things, is unlikely to get better on its own. You know, so we don't want to ignore this problem or just kind of wait for it to get better. It's like, it's really probably not going to get better. If anything, it will probably get worse if we just take the inaction route. So there are lots of different causes of low morale, and I found different ways of describing it online. I am going to list some of these here because I think it's helpful maybe to to even understand what these are. But also, like, even if you have a medical assistant or a nurse that works with you, you still have some, you know, influence over the morale of that person as well. And so I want you to kind of be thinking about it from both places from your own morale, and then also how you might influence the morale of those around you. So let's talk about causes of low morale. So lack of communication and clear instruction is number one. I'm just going to list these and then we'll dig into them a little bit more. Then lack of trust, which also kind of plays into dishonesty. You know, if there's not trust, if we feel like people are being dishonest, that's that is very much going to cause low morale micromanagement, right? Like just someone breathing down your neck, you know, it is that will cause low morale. A lack of team bonding. So the the team not being a cohesive unit, this doesn't mean you have to be going out and partying together or having like a bunch of, you know, off campus events together necessarily, but just a lack of that team feeling. Insufficient recognition or a lack of praise or thanks. This can happen really easily, especially when we get busy. A lack of training, a lack of accountability, disrespect, makes sense, unrealistic goal setting, and what I'm calling meeting problems. (laughs) There are some other ones too that I'm going to get to in just a little bit, but these are kind of the main ones. So let's get into these a little bit more and talk about what 
our options are to counterbalance them. So lack of communication and clear instruction. So if you feel that the people who lead you are communicating in a unclear way, you don't really know exactly what you need to be doing. I think one of the best things that we can do is not just wait for the clarity to come or wait for the communication to come, but to try to ask questions, to try to get clarity, to try to reach out and get that information that we need. And then I think that it's best when we are then now to the people that we lead, you know, just even being honest with them or clear, like, hey, I don't know, I will tell you as soon as I know, like these things that we don't know, I'm not telling you not because I'm withholding it from you, but because I don't know yet, I'm trying to find out. And as soon as I know, I will let you know. I think even on a more granular level, just clear instruction, like if you're working in clinic, and you have, like I said, a nurse or a medical assistant, like having a system in place or a clear way of letting them know what you want them to do, taking the extra second or two to make sure that the instruction is clear helps everybody, right? It prevents mistakes. It improves efficiency. It just helps people to know what to do. I always think about it like everybody wants to just know how to win. You know, everyone wants to know how to win in their job. And to give people clear instruction is an important part of doing that. So ask questions, try to get clarity wherever you can. And where it doesn't come, then just recognize, okay, this area, I don't know. But maybe then focusing on, well, these are the things that I do know. This I do have clarity on. I'm going to focus on these and, you know, still do what I can to get more of the information that I need. A lack of trust and dishonesty. You know, I mean, it makes sense, right? When people are lying to you, when people, you know, are are distrustful, I mean, that goes without saying that's going to be difficult. Ways that you can counteract that yourself is to say what you mean and to follow through, to be honest, to be truthful. If you say you're going to do something, do it. And, you know, when you say what you mean, like what that also means is that you're willing to have hard conversations, right? When someone asks you, hey, is this a problem? Is this screwed up? You're not like, no, no, I don't think it's a problem at all because you're not willing to actually speak up, right? It's There's a risk there. But when we, like a risk of vulnerability, but when we don't take that risk, then everything is built on a foundation of lies. And maybe some of them are white lies, but lies nonetheless. And that's not great. It doesn't feel good for us to not be able to be truthful and honest and authentic. And it's not great for the people that we are working with either. Okay, micromanagement. I think a lot of doctors are not micromanagers because who has the time. (laughs) I don't think anybody does. A lot of people really don't. But you know, it just means giving people space to do their job. And maybe you're being micromanaged. And you can ask for space, you can say, Hey, I am recognizing that you would like this information. Can we maybe come to an agreement on how I can convey that to you in a way that allows me some space to actually get the job done? Right? So again, communication helps with that a lot. The lack of team bonding, you know, it really creates like a lack of connection amongst the team. And like I said, I don't know that it's always feasible to get people together, like after hours or things like that. But I do think that there's opportunities if there's a lunch break, there's opportunities to do things, even just for as on an individual level, like just reaching out to people, just being willing to make a little small talk and ask someone how their weekend was and 
You know, ask how their child's birthday party was if you heard them talking about it. Just showing a little interest in others goes a long way. It helps us to feel connected, like we're working together. It reminds us that we are all human beings doing the best that we can. And it helps others to feel good that they've been noticed. And also it helps you to feel connected to those people. You know, maybe none of them will ever ask you about what's going on with you, but you'll still feel more connected to that team, right? So, I mean, ideally, someone shows some interest in you too, and hopefully they do. And I'm sure there's somebody who will. But sometimes we just have to set the tone and be the first one to go. And over time, it becomes the culture of the team or of the group, you know, of the office. Okay, lack of praise or thanks and insufficient recognition. I think this is, like I said, like often it just, words of affirmation, that's the way in the love languages, that's the, the way they call it. Like, Often people whose love language is words of affirmation offer a lot of words of affirmation. If it's not one of your love languages or it's not that important to you, it often is harder to remember to offer that. And so it doesn't mean that we have to be like all extra and constantly like, you know, being overly grateful or something to people, overly recognizing people, or even that we need to recognize people in a public way that can actually make a lot of people really uncomfortable. But instead, just, you know, like a, a little wink, a little, hey, I saw what you did there. That was awesome. Thanks for doing that. Just noticing and letting people know that you've noticed. And so you want to offer that praise, thanks, recognition to others. But I also want to encourage you to offer it to yourself. This is a way that you can increase that morale for yourself. And what I mean by that is letting yourself feel proud of the day that you had, or, you know, you did a tough case, and that was really hard, and you got through it, and you had to get creative, but you're really happy with how it all turned out. Like, not just glossing over that to the next problem, but letting yourself be proud of that. Be proud of yourself. You did a really good job. Thanking yourself for sticking with it. You know, you can offer to yourself, particularly when it's not being offered by anybody else. So, recognizing yourself, even if it's just pat on the back, letting yourself feel that kind of expansive feeling in your chest, like, ah, I did a damn good job. You know, that goes a long way in terms of improving your morale and your experience of your work. Okay, a lack of training. I mean, I think for the most part, that's probably not going to be as big of a deal for us as doctors. If there's something that you feel like you need to be trained on more, or there's some new innovation or new technique, and you need to learn how to do it, you know, of course, asking to get that proper training is going to be helpful. But I think it can also be helpful to ask those who you lead or manage, if you can help by clarifying anything, offering more training on something. Often people are uncomfortable in voicing that they feel uncertain, maybe about a certain procedure, or a way of handling something, or if a certain issue or problem comes up, they're extra nervous, because they don't really know how to handle it or what to do. You know, those are the kinds of things that that we want to make sure that we're asking. Sometimes it can just be as simple as asking, like, am I where you need me to be? Is there something that I can do to help you? And seeing what they say, right? Okay, let's talk about lack of accountability. And that really just means like that you're owning, accepting responsibility for your mistakes. If you're not doing that, that's really bad for morale. And I doubt that anybody listening to this podcast has really, you know, super struggles with that. But, you know, we can set an example by owning our mistakes and taking responsibility for them and not trying to 
hide it, not feeling super ashamed and you know, doing our own personal work so that we can hold ourselves accountable, hold others accountable. Often we think holding others accountable is like mean and rude, and it really isn't. You know, I don't know who said this, but my COO, my chief operating officer, she often says that accountability is simply a reminder of what has previously been agreed upon. That's all it is. Like we agreed that you were going to do this thing. And I'm reminding you that you agreed that you were going to do it. And it doesn't appear to be done. So what's going on? (laughs) What do you need help with? You know, and we can offer that to ourselves too. that self accountability, right? There was a commitment I made to myself that I was going to do this thing. And it's not happening. So here's a reminder, this was the agreement. It doesn't mean you're like a horrible person or, you know, that anything bad is happening. It just is a reminder. Are we still doing this? If not, why not? What do we need to be doing? This is a big one when it comes to food. And of course, all of this, if you're somebody who emotionally eats and your morale is low, in order to try to feel better, it would make sense that you would eat more food than your body needs. So addressing all of these issues are going to help with reducing the drive or the desire to emotionally eat. Okay, now let's talk about disrespect. I mean, if you're being disrespected by people, then that probably needs to be escalated. I mean, that's just not okay, right? But I do think that one of the most important things that we can do is to be respectful of others. You know, sometimes we don't like feeling disrespected by others, or we identify as being disrespected by others, but then we're not necessarily the most respectful ourselves. So this is a good opportunity to shine, you know, kind of turn that mirror back on ourselves, shine a light on ourselves, and be respectful, making sure that we're following the golden rule or treating others as we would want to be treated ourselves. And I also would say that it's important to appropriately call out disrespect when you see it not just letting people be disrespectful, but, you know, pulling the person aside in an appropriate way and saying, hey, that, you know, whatever is appropriate, but like that thing that you did, I don't think that that's okay. That seems very disrespectful. Can we talk about this? Okay, unrealistic goal setting. You know, I think when when there's these huge lofty goals that people don't feel like they can uh, meet, that can really lower morale. You know, I would say that maybe it's a situation where, you know, you're in a research setting, somehow you're involved in a really, really big project, and you don't believe that the goals that are set are achievable or realistic, you know, it might be time to raise your hand and kind of speak up about that. But I think for a lot of people, maybe there's not so much of that. It's just kind of like, well, my goal is to get through every day and get home on time, you know, (laughs) get out of the office before 8pm or whatever. But I think it can be really good to just think about like, what are your actual goals? Do you even have any? Have you set any goals? And are they realistic? Like if your clinic usually goes over until past six o'clock, then setting a goal to be out of there by 530 every day. I mean, that's unrealistic, right? It's probably not going to happen. So how can we make them attainable? And I think sometimes breaking them down into smaller chunks of like, I'm going to improve this in this little bit, like, If it takes you an hour and a half to get your charts done, maybe you can work on getting them done in an hour and 20 minutes. And like that's, I'm going to shave 10 minutes off and I'm going to work on doing that. And then see where you're at from there. Okay, where else can I shave off? Okay, I'm going to try. Wow, that was actually easier than I thought. I see some more areas where I can improve. Okay, let me shave off another five or another 10. See what I can do and just incrementally work on it rather than going from 90 minutes of charting to getting it done in 20 minutes. That can feel super unrealistic, even though it is possible that you could get there for sure. All right, now let's talk about meeting problems. What I mean by meeting problems is too few meetings or too many meetings or inefficient meetings or useless meetings. 
And, you know, some people have more meetings than others. And, you know, meetings might be a big part of your day or maybe not so much. But I think that when we are involved in a meeting, doing what we can to help facilitate an agenda, moving things forward, setting expectations for the meeting, particularly if we're leading it, you know, what is the point of this meeting? How will we know that this meeting has been a success? Like what needs to happen? But having a meeting to review what happened at another meeting, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, right? <laughs> death by meeting. But then at the same time, some of us are like, I hate meetings. I never want to have a meeting. And then nobody knows what's going on, right? Nobody's on the same page. And, you know, there's a lot of confusion. It slows things down. It creates a lot of inefficiencies. Sometimes, you know, there can be more gossip or rumors floating around. Like it can be important to have a good, effective meeting to get everybody on the same page and moving forward, right? So those are things that you can contribute to that when you're a participant of a meeting, staying focused, like helping to stick to the agenda and being succinct in what you're saying. And when you're leading one, being really clear on what the agenda is, what you're trying to accomplish, like it's okay to end a meeting early if you accomplished what you set out to accomplish. All right, now I have some additional things that I kind of pulled from all sorts of different places as ways for you to, as an individual, work on improving your morale, okay? So this one is kind of like twofold, and that is, you know, looking for growth opportunities. When there's a lack of growth opportunities, it will lower morale. I actually know this firsthand from my own experience. If you feel like you've just kind of like you could kind of do it in your sleep, it might be time for you to consider something different. And maybe that's a promotion or a different kind of a job that challenges you in a different way, you know, taking on some different responsibilities, but that can really help as well. Many of us who are those, you know, we like to achieve and we like to learn. We also really like to be challenged, you know, like when it gets kind of repetitive, and we know the majority of the time how to do things, like that's not so good for us, some of us, you know, and if that's you, then just recognizing that like some of those doldrums, some of that low morale may just come from needing a new challenge, needing something to get excited about something different. And so speaking of something to get excited about, you know, working on being an engaged worker, I think can really be helpful. You know, sometimes we just come in and we've just, we've got a mood going, you know what I mean? We don't want to be there and we hate everything and (laughs) everybody. (laughs) And maybe it's not so bad, but sometimes we're just kind of going through the motions, right? And when we are engaged and we're asking ourselves to be engaged, we are more interested, we're more curious, we're more open. Like think of that energy level you had when you were going through training, you know, you're interested, everything was fascinating. Like, what is different about this? This person's coming in with their, you know, same complaint about whatever it is. And, you know, if you're engaged, like what is different or unique about this one time or this particular person, or maybe you're doing the thing that you always do, but you're going to learn something really interesting. Sometimes (laughs) my husband, who's an ear, nose and throat doctor, He every now and then will be like, you know, I was cleaning earwax out of this guy's ears today. And then he was telling me about, you know, what he did back in the war and this and that and the other thing. And it was such a fascinating conversation. Because what else are you going to do when you're taking cerumen out of someone's ear? You know what I mean? So just being engaged, like owning the fact, like if I'm going to sit here and do this pretty piddly, (laughs) tedious task, you know, I might as well have an interesting conversation with this person or at least be open to having one, right? 
So being engaged, being an engaged uh, listener, being open to learning something new, coming up with a different solution, that really, really helps with morale. It helps you to feel like you're making a difference, like you're providing value. It really, really helps you to enjoy your work. And when you're enjoying your work more, it's contagious. Just like low morale is contagious, high morale is contagious too. You know, when someone's having a good time, you can't help but notice and go, you know, I want some of that. I want some of that too. It's kind of like when Harry met Sally, I'll have what she's having, right? Okay, so find some ways to have some fun. You know, maybe you're not a big joker, or maybe you are. Maybe you can just, you know, come up with some fun little, you know, tradition that you have in your office or something, just something fun. If we want it to be better, we can also take responsibility for contributing to it being better, right? So just think about some ways to have fun. Doesn't have to be super overwhelming. Doesn't have to be food related. Often those things are kind of food related. But what else could it be? It could be like a fun little you know, a little wager on something. It, you know, I remember at any time anyone was pregnant in our office, they had a, you know, a, like pick the due date and then the time. Like if, if a couple people pick the same due date, then, you know, what time was the baby going to be born? And everyone put in a dollar and, you know, someone won the pot. Like it was just fun little things, just little things, right? All right. Take some time off, my friend. You need to be taking your PTO or your vacation days. And don't take a vacation day and then like you're like thinking you're going to stay home and just relax at home. And then you're basically half working while you're, you know, there, okay, or coming in for a couple hours, like actually take real time off, whatever that ends up looking like for you, whatever way that's supportive for you, make sure you're building it in. I'm about to go away with my husband for anniversary. It is not a good time. I have so many things to do and so much going on with my family and we're going anyway because we planned it and it's going to happen. And that's often what I found the only way these things would happen. I would never choose this week again, but it was chosen several months ago. So there we go. (laughs) All right, let's look at the work-life balance or imbalance. You know, that word is for better or for worse is the word that most people or the term that most people use to describe that. But if you are overworking, if you are spending more time at work, thinking about work, you know, deliberating about work, taking call, like things like that, then makes sense for you. That's something that needs to be addressed. And I do want to point out that just because you're not at work doesn't mean your mind isn't necessarily consumed with it. So you might as well be at work if your brain's going to be there. So really thinking about how can you put that down? How can you, you know, just put that part of your brain to rest? How can you make that transition? I'm not working now, therefore, (laughs) I'm going to put that away and think about some other things and focus on some other things. How can you do that? And, you know, honestly, coaching or therapy, if you prefer that, those are things that can really help you with thoughts, you know, your thoughts about things, your beliefs about things, about what's possible for you, helping you to process emotions, helping you to know how to move forward, like how to work through having a difficult conversation that you need to have or making some adjustments. I mean, I've coached many people over the years where the morale in their office is poor. And it's because there's certain people that need to be transitioned out. And they're so afraid and so uncomfortable with the idea of firing someone that they'd rather just let the office culture suffer. And everybody's morale and enjoyment of work suffer, because they aren't willing to have that hard conversation or make that transition. And you know, listen, I, man, I totally get that. And I totally understand that. And it's, you know, it's really 
like when you are kind of the shepherd of a bunch of people, it's really your responsibility to have those hard conversations and do the difficult thing so that everybody can thrive, including yourself. And that thing isn't, you know, that issue isn't hanging over you so much. Okay. And then I have two of the best ones that I found that I'm saving for last. Okay. Number one, keep a brag book for yourself. I thought this was so, so, so good. So smart. I can't even believe I never thought of this. This is so smart. So if you don't know what a brag book is, this is often something that like grandparents will have for their grandchildren. It's like a small little book. I mean, probably people don't even do that anymore because they just probably have an album on their phone. You would get photos printed out and put them in the little brag book. And then when people would ask about your grandkids, they would have, you know, you'd have the most updated photos in there and you could brag on how amazing your grandkids are. But what you're doing here is you're creating a brag book for yourself. And so what this looks like is totally up to you. I mean, definitely like thank you notes that you get, you know, things like that. But I also want to really encourage you to just take some notes on patient successes or just in general successes that you have in work. You know, you did this thing and it turned out really well. You gave this presentation and you got this great feedback. You gave grand rounds and, you know, someone really said something nice to you. Write that down in your brag book, which really can just be any journal or notebook or any place where you can collect it. I mean, you can do it digitally too. You could keep it on your phone. But then if you got like an actual card or something, it's a little bit harder. I think having it actually something physical that you can see and look at. I think is awesome. And I think just over the course of your career, it just builds up more and more and more. And you start seeing what a difference you have made, all these things that you're proud of. And you can spend time there reviewing that all and helping yourself to feel really connected to the value that you provide and why you do this and the purpose behind your work. And, you know, why are you even here in the first place doing this? And I think it can really, really, really help your morale. One of the biggest issues we know this with burnout is when we feel like we're not making a difference. You are making a difference. Your brain is just not able to see it. Okay. So anytime you get positive feedback, you know, maybe you work with trainees or learners of some sort and they mention something, Hey, you know, I never thought about it that way or this always confused me. And the way you explained it finally made it clear for me. I mean, even those little things, you write that down and you remind yourself like, no, I am good at this. I make a difference in this world. And that is something you can go back to again and again and again. I strongly recommend that you do that. I think I need to start one for myself as well. (laughs) I think it's so good. (laughs) And it doesn't mean you have to, what you're doing is you're bragging to yourself. You don't have to be showing it to other people, just to be clear. Okay, and the final thing, and this is kind of controversial, I'm going to tell you why. It's getting an office plant. Apparently, research shows that if you get an office plant, it improves morale. (laughs) can take that for what it's worth. The reason why I say that's complicated for me is I really do enjoy plants a lot. And I enjoy flowers a lot. And I also have a dog and three children and a husband and I don't feel like I need anything else that's living that needs my attention (laughs) to take care of it. (laughs) So for me, that's maybe not so good or not exactly what I would want. But I do think that having maybe it doesn't have to be a plant, maybe, you know, if you're only in an office every now and then, like, it, you know, doesn't make sense to do that, like maybe transition around. But having something beautiful, maybe it's a small little piece of art or a little sculpture or, you know, a little drawing that one of your kids did for you or just a little something that puts a little personality there, something that makes you feel good that you look at it and you enjoy it. 
There's one thing that I have at the top of the stairs, you know, my office is in an attic, in the attic of our house, and I go up the stairs and one of the, well, she actually used to first be a client and then she became a coach and worked for us for a long time. At one point, she had just sent me a card and she had actually painted the card and it's so beautiful. I framed it and it's at the top of the stairs and I enjoy it for years. Every time I see it, I love it so much. I just think it's amazing. You know, it's like little things like that, that just help to bring enjoyment to our lives. And so I think bringing those into your workspace, you know, wherever your office is, or if there's like a nurse's station or some kind of station where you stand and do a lot of your work. And even if not, like say you're rounding a lot, you're moving through the hospital a lot, you know, it could just be a little something in your pocket, or it could just be, you know, a pair of shoes that are really comfy, but also really expressive of your personality and your style or just things like that little things that just bring joy into your life that just make the day a little smoother and a little better. Those are all ways that you can raise your morale. So I want to encourage you to pick maybe one thing from what we talked about, like, let's not overwhelm ourselves. Let's pick one thing on this World Mental Health Day, which by the way, is October 10th every year. And do that for ourselves to raise our own morale. And I think when, you know, enough people decide, hey, I'm going to raise my morale, like it really, really, really will start making a big, big difference. And you raising your own morale does not make it so that you're letting any kind of leaders who you believe are doing a bad job off the hook. It's not like, well, no, I refuse to raise my morale because it shouldn't be high because they're doing such a bad job, (laughs) right? drinking poison right there, expecting it not to harm you, of course, it's going to harm you, you know, you are the only one experiencing your life. And you deserve to feel good when you're at work. And when you're not, you deserve to be able to enjoy your life. So let's focus on the ways that you can contribute to creating that. All right, like I said, at the beginning, please feel free to share this. I think this would actually be really helpful to people who are not doctors as well. But Um, You know, anybody who you know, who might be struggling with their morale, this could be a good one for them, just to share ways that we can all take ownership of this and start to improve things. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Gandhi, I don't know. I don't know who said that. (laughs) But somebody said that, you know, like, if you want to change, like, let's start doing it. Pick one thing, start making improvement. Ask somebody about their day. You know, what happened over the weekend? How was their call night? Like just connect with people. Everyone is so connection starved. Everybody wants to feel good and they don't even know where to begin. So you can be an example for them. All right, my friend. Well, I hope that you enjoy the rest of your week. I wish you the very best well-being and mental health on this World Mental Health Day. All together, we can make some big changes. With that, I wish you the best and I will talk to you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Ready to start making progress on your weight loss goals? For lots of free help, go to katrinaubellmd.com and click on free resources.